Welcome to the Adopting and Fostering Home podcast. Whether your family has been on this journey for years or you're just getting started, we're here to support and encourage you along the way. And now your hosts, Lynette Ezel and Tara Melber. Welcome back to the Adopting and Fostering Home podcast. Today, we want to continue our conversation with Tony Brewer. You know, I was thinking this morning, Tara, how do we tell someone what love truly is? John, the beloved disciple, makes it clear that Jesus' love is active. This disciple, he wrote that by this we know love, that he, meaning Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers in 1 John 3.16. And that just brings to mind Tony and his wife Cindy and their five beautiful daughters. They spend each day pouring into the lives of the least of these, and we just felt it pertinent to have Tony back today so that we can continue to hear what God is doing among the nations in the life of orphans. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. Tony, a few years ago, your family felt the Lord leading you to do something pretty radical with your five daughters. So share with our listeners the life change (laughs) that Cindy and you felt called to do. Well, we had uh, been working in the adoption world for 13 years, and all along we had uh, had had programs for children that were not being adopted in mm-hmm. developing countries, whether it was Guatemala or Ukraine or China or Vietnam or Myanmar or Cambodia. But what we normally did was we worked with pastors um, and funded it, funded some sort of outreach in the various countries, and then I would go visit them once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. That part of the adoption work uh, grew in our hearts, and I became almost obsessed with that group of children that was not being that were that were never going to be a place, never going to mm-hmm. be adopted. If for every one child that is adoptable, uh, I don't really know the figures, but I can think I can say that there's a hundred mm. that are not going to be adopted and have great need. Right, and so um, the Lord. Uh, increase that burden uh, on our hearts to the extent that we know we knew that to continue in obedience we needed we needed to devote ourselves full time to that part to that to that group of kids that were not, never going to be adopted so to that end uh, we turned over our adoption work to others and that work is still continuing and still doing great great work but we, we just don't have any uh, we're not a part of it uh, and so we formed orphan voice uh, with the idea of just continuing to to work with the, the kids that that uh, were not going to be adopted, just like we had been for all those years anyway. Uh, not really a different group of kids. Not really a, a different. Not a different country. We we just continued and focused on on those programs that uh, that were designed for non-adoptable kids. And of course, to do that, you have you have to move. I mean, right. <laughs> you just have to go. Yeah. You just have to go. That's so, a big uh, that's step. What, How old were your girls when you went? Did. How old were they your were, girls? Uh, they were they were from nine to five. Wow! Wow! And uh, the oldest, Jillian, was nine. And we went over on a. Uh, I had built up uh, over a million miles of frequent <laughs> flyer miles, and so that's how we got over there. That's awesome. And and when you do that, you have to say when you're coming back. And so our thought was, okay, we'll we'll do this as a trial, and we'll we'll go over there and we'll do a three month trial, 
And so we went over there and, uh, load, I didn't really realize that you can hardly get over jet lag in three months. That's true. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, at the end of three months, we're faced with this decision. Do we, do we come back? Right. And, and so that was the first decision we made is no, we'll, we'll pass up on the return tickets. We're going to stay. And so we've been there for nine years. Oh, wow. Tony. That's incredible. I did not realize it's been that long. <laughs> you know, the Lord didn't yeah. give you the whole picture at once, does he? <laughs> no. If he did, no, it would scare us to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you first arrived in Southeast Asia, what did you see as the greatest need there among the, among, um, the orphans and the children and, and, and just those living in poverty? What did you see as the greatest need there that, that you and Cindy felt you just had to, to begin with? Well, God's love, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the combination of, of poverty, uh, but also spiritual poverty and the mm-hmm. oppression that comes with the uh, dominant religious belief in Vietnam, as well as the, uh, the communist aspect of the, of the government. And so you had a group of people, you, you marry all those things together and you would have people that are just really um, uh, like uh, just hopeless, right. hopeless, yeah, lack of hope, and uh, children abandoned for that reason. And so the, the biggest need we could see uh, and the greatest way we could be used if God could pour out his love to us, uh, his hope, and give people encouragement uh, and help them to see that, that there's, there's love out there uh, and there's a God who loves you. And so that's what we've been, you know, we're, we live in a, we live in a closed uh, country, uh, where to openly preach the gospel would cause us to lose our, uh, lose our, uh, visas and also would cause orphan voice to lose its license. Wow. Yes. So we, we can't go out on the corner. We can't rent a facility and, and have evangelistic meetings, but we can go to where a family is in crisis, we can go uh, with, a, with an outstretched hand and with the love of God coming out of us, and, uh, and that's what God wants uh, for us right now. Some people do come to Christ. We've seen some people come to Christ, but mainly we, we, we uh, God, people know love. People know the love of mm-hmm. God, and it draws, it draws people toward God. And so, um, that's just what we're busy doing. And, you know, we pray, uh, we have an opportunity. We go, we go fulfill that mission, that opportunity. We pray again. God gives us another breakthrough. That's just the way it's been for nine years. Total step of faith, isn't it? On a daily basis. Hmm. Well, yes. Yes. Tony, you make a statement that orphan voice desires to keep children out of orphanages. How do you do that? Well, uh, this one, one, one uh, specific program that we have designed to do that is called, aptly called, uh, Keeping Families Together. Mm. And, and so it's, we, we will identify families that are in crisis and that where, where it's likely that the parents are going to ask the government to allow them to put one, of the, one or more of their children in an orphanage. In, in, in Vietnam, uh, I don't... I suspect in many countries, but in Vietnam, most of the children that are in orphanages are not true orphans. Right. Uh, very, very few. Uh, um, 
not like the children that we worked with in Chinese orphanages, mm-hmm. uh, Lynette, right. so much. Mm-hmm. So, and so there's lots of families that feel like that the best way out for them and for their child is to put them in an orphanage. And so we work with a family uh, uh, with counseling. With really, it's an uh, our particular effort is a is a intensive 18 month program to come along beside to encourage to provide training. Uh, a lot of times, just basic parenting skills. There's uh, oftentimes there's uh, uh, there can be an alcohol problem, um, uh, and part of that is helping them make more money uh, because. If we can help make more money, that's going to take away the pressure. And so, we've uh, we're working. We've graduated. It's a new program. We've graduated seven families, and we've got uh, seven more right now that we're working with. Forty-two, forty-two family members in those seven families. Wow. Uh, so um, it's been successful. I mean, I can't say that every family we've seen. Uh, uh, two two of the first seven, we didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve but for five of them for five of the seven they're 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 stable uh there's no more talk about the child going to an orphanage Mm. they're paying their bills there's enough money to buy food and so we consider that a great success. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tony, I know one of my favorite ministries that I read about on Orphan Voice and in the newsletter is called Hope House. Can you tell us more about that? Hope House uh, came about as so much, really, as uh, as most of all of what we're doing came about. That is, there we see a need and we pray about how we can address the need. For Hope House, we got a call from the uh, a pastor in the countryside, and his uh, a pre, uh, one of his church members came to him in crisis, and the story unfolded that uh, the, the church. Church member, single mom, had a 12-year-old daughter, uh, rural village. Uh, a older boy came to the village over the course of a couple of years, would stay for a couple of weeks at a time and leave and come back. And he, he courted this little girl, this little 12-year-old girl. She fell in love with him. Uh, one day he says, let me take you to Saigon. Let me show you the wonderful things in Saigon. And she didn't tell her mother anything about it. And she said, yes. And he came and got her with some other people in a van. And it was part of a trafficking ring all along. Right. Uh, it was a planned, planned from the beginning. And so they, they took her uh, into the highlands toward Cambodia and would have taken up. I learned afterwards that that's a favorite destination. Mm. Uh, they stopped in the highlands and there was some abuse there. She was able to get away before, she, before they got her out of the country. She eventually uh, made it back home. Uh, the boys came to her village and threatened her and her mother, uh, and uh, the police didn't help them much, uh, didn't help them. pastor didn't know what to do. The, the lady went to her pastor. pastor didn't know what to do. pastor called us. And so that was the beginning of Hope House. Hope House is designed for as a restorative place, a place of safety uh, for girls that have been trafficked or have been sexually abused. So, several of them that have gone through there have just have, have had sexual abuse that are not not technically trafficking but um it's one of our ministries it's not our it's not our focus it's it's just one of the many ministries that god's given us but and uh this little girl has been with us uh ever since she's still with us her mom has since passed away and she's uh but you know i remember the first day i saw her uh smile again it took her forever oh, wow. to be able to smile but 
But God restored her. He promises to restore the years that the locust has eaten. That's and, right. And uh, that's what we we claim that for all of them. Yes. Uh, not, not only the girls in Hope House, but the uh, children in orphanages, they've, they've been deprived a lot. God is faithful to restore, and no man can, can stop that. Uh, that's irrespective of whether you can preach openly or not. Right. Uh, and so uh, that is just a fact of life that's happening. But this little girl uh, is now, we helped her, and we, first she got through school and uh, got through high school, and now she's graduating, uh, about ready to graduate from college, where wow. she'll be able to provide for herself. Well, we uh, there was a testimony on there's a testimony on the website that just really touched my heart, and it was a young girl that was with you all for three years, and she was cared for by a loving house mother. She improved her study skills. She was able to bond and make friendships, and learned how to be a friend. She worked hard. She earned a college degree. And she now has a good job. And so to me, this is the goal. It comes full <laughs> mm-hmm. circle. She's working, paying rent, living yeah. with the roommate. She's taking care of herself. She's yeah. a member of the local fellowship. Yeah. And what she said yeah. uh, to you on the website, she said, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I wouldn't have a college degree without your help. I wouldn't have a good paying job without your help. I wouldn't have anything if you hadn't helped me. You have changed my life. And that's what the well, Lord that's- Jesus does. For the mm-hmm. least of these. Amen. 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 That's our Victory House program, and there are several girls like that. We, and we just recently graduated our first boy. Uh, but that's designed for girls that, have, that are aging, that are having to leave orphanages with no place to go. And so that's a, that's a, a preventive, it's a trafficking prevention program to, to not let somebody snatch him up but to say, hey, you got a safe place here. Let's get you some training. Let's get you some skills. Let's, let's get you to the place where you can take care of yourself. And several, several girls have gone through that now, and, and it is a blessing. And some of them, uh, uh, this, this particular and other ones, have come to Christ, um, and uh, that's, that's even better. Absolutely. That's the goal. That's the goal. I love what you said about um, people know the love of God, and it draws people to him. And, you know, I hear you say that even though you can't openly share the gospel, the that people there where you are and how you're ministering to these children and to these families see a difference in the way that you love them. And I'm sure that they're drawn to want to know why. And that, I'm assuming, is how you are able to share the love of Christ. Would that be correct? Well, you're deception? right. You're right. Yes, you're, you're right. And, and, and you know, uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, let your light shine before men. They'll see your, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. And uh, Vietnamese people, not just children, but people uh, in general, we, we, we love our partners, our government partners. We love the police. Sometimes the police uh, um, chastise us and have chastised us, but we love them. They need, they need, they need they need Christ. And yes, so, right. Uh, you know, there, there's a great story on the police uh, with with this little girl, uh, this first child that came to Hope House. The boys that were persecuting this little girl uh, in their village, we the first thing we thought was, well, we don't really know, we're not really experts in this, but we ought to get her where she's safe. And so we brought her to Da Nang, where we live, and the boys came to Da Nang as well. And they threatened her there. And when we found out about it, 
by that time, we had developed a relationship with the police, at least where they knew us. They knew us well because they had investigated us so thoroughly. Right. And so they knew that <laughs> what, where they didn't, they didn't want us, uh, they didn't like the, the fact that, you know, people might come to Christ. They didn't like that part, but they knew we were real. And so we came to them and said, look, we've got this girl. This is what happened. Here are the guys that did it. They've come here and they're bothering her. Mm. Will you help us? And boy, did they ever help us. And, you know, they might not uh, like us in some ways, but they really, uh, well, they drove those boys away. That's and great. And so it's just inter- it's a blessing how God used uh, that relationship to help, help one of our programs. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Well, I see you've kind of taken the friendship team model to Vietnam, and you're able to help (laughs) over 5,000 children who live in public orphanages and boarding schools. Um, You were able to reach out to 12 boarding schools there at Vietnam, and I know they're in the poorest regions, come from the poorest families, and they have great needs. You buy shoes, coats. um, You deliver food on on a daily basis, I'm sure, but um, I just... I'm just, uh, you know, overwhelmed, and I'm thinking about families who are listening that maybe mm-hmm. God is calling them to get out of their comfort mm-hmm. zone, to move past uh, the, the the new car and the biggest house and, and all of that. And those, those in ministry who have, you know, limited uh, resources, but there is something we all can do. And so, Tony, can you speak to that? Well, please pray. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes lives, and we're really believing for a great revival in Vietnam and believe for it, that we're going to see multitudes brought into the kingdom, and also that we're going to see orphans become the head and not the tail. Yes, Um, that's a great story. So pray, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, we welcome friendship teams. We'll have two next month, and so we'd love to have uh, people come. church, Sunday school, gruesome churches, families, come and, and get your hands dirty and see it and smell it and touch mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have children that need to be sponsored uh, in orphanages and in and, and, and others of our programs. Uh, it's, a, it's a great way to, for a family to change a life, to, mm-hmm. in, in a way, adopt a, a child in an orphanage or in a, in a, uh, in a special needs facility. I mean, I just uh, just this week we're we're working to open a second therapy center. We haven't talked about our ministry to special needs children, but there's uh, in three districts. A district corresponds to a county. In three districts, there's over 600 children that without any type of help. Uh, and so we're trying to open up a therapy center for them. Uh, we need uh, skilled people that can come and volunteer. We it's somebody with resources that might be interested in special needs children we're trying to help them and there's a way that there's a there's just anything that anybody can do any kind of a skill we can turn it into an outreach almost that's so right come and visit that's right absolutely well tony i know you and i share a passion for this passage but he's the father of the fatherless and protector of widows this god in his holy dwelling god settles the lonely in a home And I know he's calling out his people to do that and to see um, the least of these, to see orphans, to see those who are struggling in in poverty and will never hear the gospel. God's calling out his people to to go out and to share and to open their homes and to open their pocketbooks and to just 
you know, be used to change lives. Amen. Take the step, the step of faith, whether it's to adopt, whether it's to foster, whether it's to sponsor a child, whether it's to get a, take a vacation and, and go to an orphanage. Uh, God will be there. He, he will catch you uh, and he will, he will enable you. That's right. Well, Tony, we thank you so much for being with us today. I know that once our family was faced with the facts that you've shared, many of the facts that you've shared, that you just can't unknow those things. And so once we're faced with that, then we have to sit before the Lord and ask him, what are you asking of us? So it's a privilege to hear your story and to hear of God's faithfulness to bring glory to his name through your family's obedience. And we really do pray that our listeners will explore your website, which is orphanvoice.org, to see how they can join in God's work. You've been listening to the Adopting and Fostering Home podcast. We're so glad you've taken time to listen today. Keep in mind, we are a ministry of the North American Mission Board and funded through the Annie Armstrong offering and your giving to the cooperative program. We look forward to talking more about adoption, fostering, and orphan care and how you can be involved.